So nice to see you guys. So nice to see some of my kids here. I gotta say this, to, um, I have to give them a shout out. Some of them, I wanna give a shout out to two kids. Can I give a shout out to two kids today? Not that all the other ones are not important, but there's some that I have been fighting for for a long time to get into this room. And I just gotta give a shout out to Raulito and Brian for being here this morning. Can you give them a shout out? I'm proud of you guys. I'm proud of you guys, really. I'm proud of you guys. Um, I love it when kids come, even if their parents don't come. That's why I want to give them a round of applause. Their parents are not here, but they're here. Can we, uh, can we honor them? This, can, you, can you do better than that? Stand up, guys. Stand up. Any other kids in this room that your parents are not here? Yeah? Can you give them a... Come on, how Church, no. No, like... Thank you. Thank you so much. You may be seated. We've been on a journey in a series for the last uh, month. Um, it's been interesting because I know some of you are suffering because you've been having me preach all year long. You didn't get the joke. It was really bad. It was such a bad joke. I have been preaching all month, all year long, um, and it's been, it's been fun. This has been, if you don't know me, I'm usually a, a, a traveling pastor, so not only do I, I minister here, I travel around the world, and, um, and it's been a challenge for me to be home for such a long time. I usually am here, a week later I'm out, then I come back, and then I'm out, then I'm come back, and then I'm out, and this has been the longest I have been in New Jersey in the last eight years. I have, I have, not, been, I have not been put in New Jersey this long for eight years, and it's great. I think this is why the weather is nicer, because God knows, especially in January and February, Pastor Chris loves to go to South America, to Central America, to the Caribbean, and Asia, because it's hot. I am not going to Asia. The Heineken virus, I mean the coronavirus is out there. So I'm going to stay here. Got the bad joke. It's a bad joke. Where is Junior? Um, the coronavirus is here, which we really need to be praying for those people who are suffering with that. It is really sad what's happening, and there's a lot of fear in the world. But no, I'm here with y'all. I'm, I'm excited to be home. I'm excited what God is doing in our church, and I'm really believing that this is going to be one of the, the start of one of the, of the greatest seasons that we're going to be walking into as a community. If you believe that with me, come on, say amen, amen. All right, so, um, and not because I'm home, not because I'm home, not because I'm home, but God is definitely doing some things. Um, I, uh, I want to start, I don't know if we have that. There's going to be a funny transition because we're doing a series. Oh, you guys did it perfectly today. Um, okay, so um, last week we were on our third topic, our third topic, uh, bitterness, and we were talking about anger and resentment towards other people. How many were here for that last week? How many of you get, got rid of your bitterness and your anger and your resentment? How many are still working on it? I love the honesty in the room. You know, you guys are in church, so you're trying to be truthful to, to one another. It's great. Um, but today I want to speak about how you feel about yourself. <laughs> we know some people in this room love themselves a little too much. Anybody know anybody who loves themselves a little bit too much? It's a good thing. And it can, it can, it can you know, you know, and how, and, and, but I want to I I tell you this, and I want to really be honest with you. Those who you may think may love themselves a little too much and have this high self-esteem probably really 
hate themselves a little too much and hide it behind a facade or hide it behind this, this mask or picture of something that is not real, really true. And, um, and I want to I wanna share some stories, some personal stories about my life and I've been exposing myself quite a lot. Y'all could write a book about me after this month. Um, but I'm going to share some stories, and I'm also going to share some Bible stories. So um, what is self-bitterness? If you look in the dictionary, you're not going to find this word because it's kind of a, uh, something that we put together, but it's self-hate. What is self-hate? Self-hate is when you have a, a really ill feeling towards yourself. And before we do that, we always start our, our series this, this, this month with this prayer. Can we go all to the book of Psalms as we start this prayer? And we want, uh, you don't have to close your eyes. Nowhere in the Bible it says close your eyes when you pray. Especially if you're driving and praying, please do not close your eyes. Um, it will be very difficult for you to drive and pray and closing your eyes. I've actually done it before and I've made people pray even harder. I was a driver and I would close my eyes and um, they said, Pastor, please open your eyes, you're driving. Um, so. This is a true story. Um, it says in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verse 23, and we're all going to say this together. So if you don't know it and you can't see the board, open up your iPhones or your, or your Androids if you are one of those weird people. And your Blackberries if you're really one of those weird people. Your Androids, you need salvation. Okay, so um, you're the difficult people that when I'm in your car, you don't have an iPhone charger and I get very mad at you. Um, can we, can we all go to Psalms? Anybody know what I'm talking about, those, those weird Android people? They send you green text messages, you know. <laughs> all the Android is like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You're not blue with us. Okay, so um, your green text messages. Okay, that's why you get viruses on your phone. Okay, so, um, so I went there. I went there. All right. Sorry, and your phones blow up like mine did. I had a note. Okay, so. Here, let's pray together. Search me, God, everybody. And know my heart. Stop. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. Say, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. You see, when we look at this and we read this, in that same chapter, in Psalms chapter 139, in that same chapter, the psalm says, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full and well. When we read this and we say, God, search me, and we look at this scripture, the next scripture, that's actually a couple of verses before, and we look at, at, what, at what this says, do we really feel that we are wonderful sometimes? Even when we make mistakes, even when we um, look at some of our past issues, do we really feel that we're as great as he says we are? In the book of 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, one of the, one of the scriptures that you should tattoo on your forehead if you have self-hate, it says, you are a chosen race. You are royal. You are holy, a holy nation. You are people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. God says you are all of these things. 
And this is a man, Peter, who if you see this in, in, in the scriptures, if you see this, for this to be written down, God really did something in his life. The Bible is filled with wonderful things about who you are. And if you look at how creation started, the Bible specifically says that you were created in the image of God himself. Now, when we read that you were created in the image of God himself and you say you hate yourself and you hate the way you are and you hate the way you look, then you are saying you hate who God is because he created you in his image. Now, I don't want to, I do want to add, some of us have expanded the image a little bit. But it's okay. You're still the image of God. God is infinite. God is great. God has no end. So why should we? When we look at this, we look at sometimes at our life. And we don't understand that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, you are so beautiful. No matter what they say. Words can't take me down. Y'all are not saying this with me. Did I say the, the song correctly? Can you look at the person next to you and say, you are beautiful. Can you sing it to them? Say, you are beautiful. Listen, if you are single and there's some nice looking person next to you, you better really look at them and be like, ho, ho. Okay, just kidding. Now people are like, I don't want that one right now, Pastor. Okay. But can you just made it so awkward. It's, you know, I'm trying to get you guys a date this month. No. But can you look at the person next to you and say, you are beautiful. No, no, seriously. Say, you are beautiful. Come on, look at, Pastor Murphy, can you look at this young man and say, son, you are beautiful. Oh, come on. <laughs> Pastor Kenny, can you look at Pastor Murray and say, you're a good-looking dude. You are good-looking. <laughs> I, said, I can see my reflection on your forehead, both of each other. We are good-looking people. All right, say, you are beautiful. You are, I want to tell you how, church, you are a beautiful church. You are beautiful people. No, I thought you were supposed to say, you too, Pastor. You're so good looking. You're a cute man. Look at you with yourself. No, come on. You're a good looking dude. I wear my nice outfit today. I wear colors today. I'm not wearing black. Okay, so, you, so when you see this, you are, you are you're literally saying, when you say to someone, when you acknowledge them, when you tell something, someone great, you actually worship God because God created that person. God has blessed, God made that person and he made them for a purpose. So every time you are nice to another person, every time you're nice to yourself, you're acknowledging that God has done something good. So what are we really, what are we really looking at? We don't always feel this way. And we don't feel this way because we've gone through things in life. Others have put us down. Maybe our life was shaken in the beginning in our childhood. Maybe our life was shaken from circumstances and divorce and things that we may have encountered. And we tend to hate ourselves. We tend to hate ourselves so much that it's impossible for us to love God and love others. Yeah. And we do this. We do exactly what we do to other people that we hate. We murder. We murder ourselves. Maybe not physically murdering ourselves, but we murder ourselves when we don't accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. We don't reach our goals. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, um, uh, we don't, we don't, we don't reach what God has called us to reach. And how do we start? We, we start with unforgiveness. We can never forgive ourselves for the things we've done wrong. We have resentment towards ourselves. We retaliate in ways that you're like, what do you mean you retaliate? You have anger and hate. You have violence against yourself. I don't, some people don't necessarily 
physically hurt themselves, but they hurt themselves with their own words. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later. And at the end, you murder yourself. You murder your dreams. You murder your purpose. You murder your future. You become a zombie. You become numb. Anybody ever been in that place before when you just stop feeling? You just don't feel anymore because of all the things you went through, because of what people put you through, and because of the words that you believed. You believed the words of a liar versus the words of the everlasting God that loves you and created you for great, greater than what you can imagine. Come on. Say amen. What are characteristics of self-betterness? Negative comments about yourself. Anybody ever said something negative about yourself? Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Oh, this is nice. But negative comments about yourself, but not only about your physical appearance, about the, jo the job that you do, the work you do, the way you do it. You don't ever want to try new things because you think you're a failure. You avoid situations in which there may be a risk of failing because you don't think that you're capable of making it. You're constantly saying, I'm sorry. You walk into me like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry because you feel so down about yourself. You criticize others frequently. You are a perfectionist. A part of self-bitterness is being a perfectionist. You know what? You think that that person is actually amazing and great. <laughs> But that person is not, um, you know, that person really just feels so horrible about their work. I know people who they, they, they are so OCD because they're not happy with themselves. And we could really, you know, sometimes we laugh about being OCD and we laugh about these things. But it's really a self-hate. You constantly deny our own perspective, opinion, or need because they feel they have no value. We don't, you know, I, I had so much self-bitterness that even in, in my relationships, friendships, when I was dating, I'm, I'm, I'm dating now, I'm, I'm gonna get married soon. So, um, so, um, so, so all these things, even in my, even in my, even in my, in my life, when, when my girlfriend would say, I love you, I couldn't understand why she would love me. Because I would look at myself and I'm like, what do you love? What do you see? What is it that you see? Are you just having a pity party on me? Are you just looking at me because, you know, you're just saying it because you feel sorry? I, I couldn't believe that I would be loved. I couldn't believe it because the way I saw myself was through the eyes of Satan versus the eyes of God the Father. It's crazy if you look at it. And so, and I see this. I look at our lives and I look at the way some of us are behaving and we have so many characteristics of self-bitterness. And how, what are, some of, what are some of the ways that we have self-bitterness? One of the ways you can see you have self-bitterness is if someone tries to bring constructive criticism to you, you always take it as an attack. That was me. Someone would say, I have a recommendation. I don't want to hear it. If someone would say, I think you should try this out. Are you attacking what I'm doing? Another way you may have self-bitterness is if you have a hard time loving another person. Because though the Bible teaches us that we must love others as we love ourselves. And you cannot love another person if you do not love yourself. Another way that you see someone that has self-bitterness is their constant, I'm going to go right here, is their constant desire for social media. Social media has not helped us. Social media has actually made us worse. Social media has make, made us compare ourselves to others. Is it self-love or is it self-hate? We're not as confident as we think we are. We have given ourselves to the to to we have given ourselves to a to a screen and and to a three-second 
um, a three-second decision of someone liking your picture or not. Some people get frustrated if they don't get a specific number of views and likes on their social media platform. Some people get extremely frustrated. Some people go out of their way and they pay. They pay for some, they pay for a program or something to like them and give them a view. And I'm going to tell you what this will translate itself to. That would be a modern day cyber that you're paying for someone to like you. It's not natural. It's not authentic. It's not real. It's saying that what he says about you and what you say about yourself doesn't matter. You need the opinions of the world to make you feel good. I want to tell you something. You do not need the opinion of no man or no woman when God has already accepted you. All of this has caused so many issues in marriages, relationships. Today, we compare ourselves to others so much and we hate ourselves so much that we lose who we really call to be by trying to create to be to be what somebody else's success is. What do I mean when I say this? I say that if you have anything unique about yourself and it's so different and it's so awkward to others, you're willing to die that down and become what the world wants and you would never reach who you're always supposed to be because of this. I wanna, I wanna share with you this scripture right here and then we're gonna go into some stuff, some practical stuff today. The first commandment in the book of Matthew chapter 22, would we all go there right now from 36 to 40, it says, teacher, Jesus responds. I love this chapter because it's literally the, the, the religious people trying to catch Jesus in something. What is just the greatest commandment of the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The first thing he says, all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Your soul is that place of decisions, how you think, how you process things, how you behave, how you, how you, how you, how you reason with things. That's where it's at, your mind. That's your soul. That's where you make decisions. This is where your soul is. This is the first and greatest commandment, to love God, to put God first. I want to ask you a question. How many of you have a hard time loving others and loving yourself? Can you put your hand up if you have a hard time loving others and loving yourself? How many, okay, fine. How many of you do not have a hard time loving others and loving yourself? We may, we may want to we may, we may, we may question that later on. It says to love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It says this is the first and the greatest commandment. In other words, you could never love yourself and you could never love others if you do not love God. And that's the first problem. In the, the antidote to healing, bitterness and self-bitterness is loving God. When you get to know who God is and when you, when you grab who he is and you grab his love for you, when you grab his mission, when you grab his purpose for you, listen to me, kids, when you grab that, nothing else matters. Everything can be shaking around you. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, chapter 27, verse 10, even if your father and your mother abandons you, God will lift you up. You don't need nothing. You don't need anything but his love. Yes, you will go through questions. Yes, you will go through tor torment. Yes, you will go through trials, but you have your 
mind focused that at the end, at the end of the day, this world is temporary. God is eternal and you will be with him forever. Some of us are so focused on what we're going through right here that we're losing track that God has an eternity for us in heaven with no tears, with no pain, with no bitterness, with no anger, with no resentment. And that is greater than anything else that this world has to offer us. You know, um, I remember many years ago, I was sitting in a room and I was with some, um, some at that time there were kids. I don't think they'll think the same way anymore. They're, they're adults now. Or they were young adults or younger adults back in the day. And I was talking about Jesus coming. I was talking about Christ coming and, and I was talking about our lives changing when he comes, when Jesus comes, because it's, it's going to happen, guys. I want you to know, and if you're happy about that, say amen. He's coming. He's coming. We don't hear that anymore, that he's coming, right? We don't hear that. Life is going to change. And I was talking about that he's coming. And I had like four kids going, uh-uh. I'm not married. I didn't get this. I didn't get that. I, didn't have, I don't want him to come. I want you to know that there are very few times that I want to smack people. At that moment, I, my hand was coming out of its pocket, reaching its high altitude, going, and God had to remind me, mercy, son, mercy. I had to put my hand back down because I couldn't comprehend why we would want to stay on this earth and not meet the lover of our life, Jesus, the one who will redeem us and take us away. This world has nothing to offer you. We're like living in the matrix. This isn't even, this isn't even nothing compared to what heaven has for you. This is nothing compared to the glory that God has prepared for us. We need to start focusing on what is bigger and greater than this world. The first and greatest commandment is to love God. But our first commandment sometimes is loving this world and loving the things of this world. Loving the things that this world has to offer us. And we get frustrated when this world doesn't serve us what we want. And we get mad at God for what this systems of this world does to us. What the systems of the, of the world does to us. We need to mature to the place. And this is, and by the way, this is not a message that's going to want to bring you back to church next Sunday. It's okay. There's so many churches that will tickle your ears. But this is a message that will tell you the truth. This is what God is saying to us, that we must love him to the point that nothing else matters. That is the first and greatest commandment. If you agree with me, can you give him some noise? Amen. The second is, you can't just stop there. You can't just stop there. Because I got it, 38 and 39. You can't just stop there. Because some people in this room, you're good loving God, but you're not good in loving other people. You're great Christians. God bless you, my brother. Great, but I don't know about that. You're not good in relationships with others. You are such a bitter person. And I'm going to tell you something. If you don't love other people, you don't love God correctly. Because grace, mercy, and love is not a one-way street. It's not just receiving it. It's also Giving it. I've always taught this to people. You know what you are? Can you please, everybody, go like this, please. Can you do this? Can you do, can you do this with me? Can you? Can, no, I, no, no, I need to show you. You're, 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 I just need to show you. I want you to do this. Can you just do, can you, can you do, can you do this? Can you do this for me? Well, can you, can you look, and can you look at the person next to you? And can you point up, can you point up, say, whatever I receive, I must give to the world. Ah, say, I'm not a loser. I'm a lover. We just changed the, I'm a lover. I'm a lover. Whatever, say it with me, whatever I receive, whatever I, receive 
I must give. One more time. If I receive the love of God, I must give the love of God. Can you look at the person next to you and go, you are a lover. Love. The second is to love your neighbor as you love yourself. If you do not love yourself, you are having a hard time loving your neighbor. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share something with you really interesting. Many people in this room, in this room and around the world, are having marital issues and relationship issues because of this problem right here. They don't love themselves, and I want you to watch. And they go into relationships not loving themselves. And you know what they do? They make the other person in their relationship a slave to making them feel better. If you don't take care of the issues that are inside of you and the self-hate that you have, your future spouse will become a slave to try to make you feel better. There's people who have committed adultery, who are extremely promiscuous, who have done crazy things, not because they're bad people, but because they don't love themselves. And they're looking for love because they, they have unresolved issues in their heart. They have unresolved issues in their childhood. They have unresolved issues since, you know, from things that happened that they never let go and they refuse to let go because they're trying to reason with the enemy. You love your neighbor as you love yourself. But if you cannot love your neighbor, you don't love yourself. Love God. Love people. But love people as you love yourself. Now others love themselves so much and still are never satisfied. They want more. Everything you need, the healing, the love that you need is in God. I want to tell you that the, that, that the systems of this world breaks down into two, into two things, love and fear. You're either afraid and you operate one way or you love and you operate another way. Which one will you choose today? And we go back to this. I want you to imagine yourself. I want to take you to a picture of a modern day millennial and sometimes adult. I want everybody to do me a favor. Specifically, if you have an iPhone, can you do me a favor? Everybody, can you do me? Can you open your phones for me? Let's have a let's have a contest. Really quick, in the room. In your iPhone, it says albums. Right here, it says albums. You have some funny things. It says places that you've been to. This is pretty freaky. I got nine thousand two hundred and fifty people, favorites, imports, right? But there's a little button that says selfies. They made a word for our self-love. It's called selfies. I knew someone who was making a word for self-love, and she would call it her selfish. It was great. But I want to ask you a question. How many pictures do you take of yourself and you refuse to post because you don't like the way you look? And you post that one out of the 300. Can you stay with me for a second? What if you were to post the picture that you think people won't like? 
What if you put yourself without that makeup in the morning when they see the real you? What if you post? <laughs> absolutely, I got it absolutely not. What if you post, this is who I am. Will you love me for who I am and not care about what they say? What if at this very moment you would bring healing oil upon yourself and say, I don't care what you think about me. I already know I have been accepted by the Almighty, by the King of Glory, by the one who's called me to be a royal priesthood, a chosen nation, his people. I am his, and I am his, and I don't care what you think about me. We use this. I may have not for a long time. I may have, I actually, I fall, I fall prey to this. I remember once I was... Um, with the Insta-famous, I have a lot of Insta-famous people, a lot of friends who got a lot of followers. And it's hard when you have friends that have all these followers. It's hard. I got friends that have 1.9 million followers. I'm like, how has this happened? And then they're trying to put me in their story. I'm like, I am not ready to be in your story. No, 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 no. I don't want to. I had um, one of, some of you all know one of my really close friends, Ingrid, about last year, she posted, um, uh, uh, she posted uh, a dating thing. It says, he's single, ladies. I had girls from the mountains of Mexico sending me messages. I was like, how you have internet over there? What are you doing? I'll kill her. I was like, hmm. So if any of you need a boo, I'll let Ingrid, I'll put your picture up on Ingrid's in Instagram. Guys, this can be so dangerous. This can be so dangerous in so many ways. And it kills us. It even destroys relationships. At times, I would look at pictures, and I would, and, and I, I was in New York City last year in the summer, and I saw these kids. They were taking these pictures. They hired lights and cameras and all, and they're taking pictures on the wall. And I love art. Not to say that we cannot be creative, and we need to use social media as a platform. We do, but you need to be careful in how you do it. And they're taking these pictures, and they're, and they're, and they're doing all this. And I look at them, and I ask them. I'm really nosy. I am very, I have a lot of confidence to walk up and say, what's going on here? I am Puerto Rican. I'm nosy. I want to know everything that's going on. I'm, I'm like my grandma. She used to stand at the window looking. I'm like, grandma, what you looking at? I don't know. I'm going to wait. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody have a grandma like that from the Bronx? Like, that was my grandma. <laughs> I'm going to wait and watch it. Like, grandma, what you, the birds? Mm-hmm. She had a whole story in the birds. This one cheated on that one. That one, he took his bread. Now he's mad and has his baby. I'm like, grandma, you know everything. I was asked, I said, what you guys doing? Oh, it's just for our Instagram. Are you like work? Do you guys, you guys work for? No, I just do it for likes. I'm like, you're literally spending an hour taking one picture for a like? What is wrong with you? A like. I like. And when you're looking at it, I even know this method. I know that kids, they will like someone else's picture so that someone else would like theirs. That's not real. Am I telling a lie? Can someone tell me? Brian, am I telling a lie? You're hiding. Don't hide from me. It's true. And then I see girls throwing heart emojis at the other girls. Oh, you're so pretty. And then they talk about, oh, she looked horrible in this picture. I just got to do it because she did it for me. This is the age we're living in, and nobody wants to talk about it. When did this become okay? You know what else is sad? Filters. I had a filter that gave me eyelashes and horns at the same time. 
changed my voice. I was able to make Pastor Joe into a woman last year with a filter. He looked like his mom sitting right here. It was really scary. And he was like, hello. It was weird. We're laughing, but our subconscious, our mind is being affected by all these things. There are apps that can make my nose smaller. But there's no app that would tell me, love you for the way you are and for what I've created you to be. More money is being used on self-image and self-beauty than anything else in the world right now. And the sad part is that we're okay with it. We would pay to mutilate our bodies and to do things to ourselves to make others like us. What if you would just spend some time with God and hear what he has to say about you so that you can live happy ever after? Thank you. All right. How are ways that we hate ourselves? And I want you all to be honest with me. If in any way you have done any of these things. Have you ever made a vow? Have you ever, anybody in this, in this room said, I'm not good enough? Raise your hand if you said, I'm not good enough. It's not just about self-image. It's also about what you've done. You feel like you can't because someone called you stupid or ignorant or an idiot. A lot of us have dealt with self-bitterness because in our childhood, we were never accepted by our parents. We were never told, you are amazing, you are wonderful, you are mighty, you are. One of the things that I have done in this season as a pastor, and as now, as very proud, one of the youth leaders in the church. I love that job. I look at these kids every Friday. I tell them I love you. I tell them you're amazing. I tell them, you are going to accomplish so much. You're going to make it so far. Because when I was their age, I was told, you're stupid. You're worth nothing. You will never make it. You are a nobody. And those words stayed with me for so long that I really started to believe this. And I started to believe that I was stupid. I was worth nothing. And I was a nobody. And all the words that were said to me were indoctrinating my mind for me to believe these things about myself. I want to tell you today that you're not that. I want to tell you today that even if your parents, look at me kids, look at me people, and now I say kids, I mean all of you, that if your parents may have abandoned you, your parents may have rejected you, they didn't reject you because you weren't good enough. They reject you because they didn't know how to love you the way you, you deserve to be loved. I need you guys to help me today. I, I, I'm going to tell you that if you, if, you're, if, you were, if you were married and your spouse cheated on you, it wasn't because you weren't good enough. Maybe you were a little bit crazy because of the things that you had unresolved, but you are accepted by God. You are loved by God. God loves you. He's cleaning you up. He's, he's changing you, and you just need to fight a little longer. Your, your, your love does not, is not based on a human's words. It's based on everything that God has to say about you. Come on. Come on, church. Come on. I want to talk about a couple of things that you have, may have said. Has anybody in this room has ever said, I'm not good enough? Come on, I want you to raise your hands. I'm not good enough. I'm worth nothing. I will never make it. Why try? Why try? Why try? 
if I'm going to fail anyways. Anybody in this room, raise your hand if you've done that. Have any of you in this room felt like you would never receive joy or peace? Come on, raise your hand if that's you, if you would never receive joy or peace. <laughs> how, many of you, how many of you have been faking it till you make it? Just you've been faking it. You're not really happy, but you've just been putting on a smile because you know that you need to, but you're not really at that place where you want to be. I want to share with you some stuff. There's so many self-vows and self-hates that you put on your life that is not worth it. It's not. You don't need anything to prove who you are. And I, before I go into this, I'm going to tell you my last story. Being, um, being my height, And being a pastor, I've gone through, um, believe it or not, I've gone through a lot of like difficulties because in platforms I've been on, I'm usually the shortest guy. I've been, I've been rejected by women because of my height. I've been rejected by ministries, believe it or not. They always know me as, do you know Pastor Chris? And when my family comes together, we gather, I must admit, besides my father, he was actually very tall. We are probably like, you know, a convention of shorter people. We're all this height. It was normal to me. I never, I never, I never disliked my height. I never felt, you know, oh, he's short. Okay, I dealt with it until I started really believing about what other people have to say. You know Pastor Chris? You know Pastor Chris? You know? And then I started saying, this is what they know me as. They don't know me as this. This world labels you. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? He loves me too. For a long time, when I was a child, my pastor, my pastor, who was my stepfather, told me, you're worth nothing. His exact words, and forgive me for what I'm about to say, is, you're a piece of crap. That was minor to the things I heard. Those words followed me. And one day, I had an anointing on my life. I was actually very anointed. God would, whenever I would walk into the room, he would back me up like he would be there. Like, and I'm like, wow, this is cool. And I would get invited to these amazing platforms and stages. And I would get invited to these awesome places. But the only thing I was concerned about is what the people had to say about me. And I would go home every day killing myself because I felt like I was not good enough. It was never about my purpose. It was always about trying to fulfill an area of need in my heart of not being good enough, of being too short, of being a piece of crap, of being worth nothing. And I was using platforms and stages and, and churches and people to fulfill a need inside of my heart. Maybe you don't use social media. Maybe you don't use a stage or you don't use your job. Maybe you use your spouse or maybe you use something else to fill a need like addictions. But whatever it is, 
that you're using to fill a need, it's not good because it's not God. Ways that we have said or hated ourselves. I'm not good enough. What is the use in trying? I'm an outcast. I'm complicated. I can't do it. I'm going to suck it up and move on until something changes. I'll pretend until something changes. Nobody will believe me. My emotions don't matter. It's always my fault. I'm worthless. I'm not, I'm not, I better be perfect because if not, they'll reject me. Another way you have self-bitterness, everybody else gets whatever she or he wants. I'll never get what I want. When is it going to be my turn? I'm defective. Way you have self-bitterness, you close yourself to emotions. You stop feeling. Ways you have self-bitterness, I'm not going to let anybody access my emotions. Emotions can't be trusted. I don't want to learn. Why? I can't learn. I have no control. Go ahead, hurt me. I deserve it. I'm going to put up walls. This is self-bitterness. I'm not going to give anyone a chance. Self-bitterness is I have no choice to accept to try to get along with others because I'm just crippled anyways. I'm just going to do it because I have to. You literally numb yourself. Self-bitterness. I don't love God. Look at everything that happened to me. Bitterness in your marriage. You don't even love your spouse. When you constantly say, what is wrong with me? When you spend more time trying to look good than be good. When you can't respond to the emotional needs of the closest people around you. When you don't know how to set boundaries in your life because you don't feel that you're worth protecting. When you feel like a doormat. When you're constantly the victim and you always need self-pity. When you're constantly depressed. When you're not motivated to do anything. When you, believe it or not, are sometimes too shy and you use it being timid, but you're really just afraid of what others have to say. Ways you could be self-bitter, you give yourself, you give up on yourself, even in your appearance. You just give up. You don't try anymore. You allow people to manipulate you. You allow people to take advantage of yourself. You never reach your dreams. You hate your family. You feel like you have bad blood. You become defensive in everything somebody says. Does anybody know anybody, people, like I'm, what I'm talking about, or am I just reading something right here? When you feel you can never change, when you feel there will never be an opportunity for you. When you can't tolerate someone telling the truth because it's painful. Weighs yourself bitter. When your family's telling you there's something wrong and you can't see it. Anybody in this room has ever dealt with self-bitterness? Raise your hand. Can we close our eyes for a second? What does God have to say about you? What have you been using to fill a void in your own personal life?
Maybe it was because your family didn't accept you or love you. And you allowed this to come in. What happened? How did it get there? In what ways have you been angry at yourself? Or upset because of the mistakes that you made? Maybe you're mad because you did something in the past. I was speaking to a young lady this week. who She, was, she couldn't forgive herself because she walked into an abortion clinic and she wanted to, to terminate her child. And every time she saw her child, she felt this anger and this bitterness against herself and she could never forgive herself. I feel like some of you in this room are struggling with decisions you've made in the past. You've already overcome that and you're still living in the past. I knew someone who was married for 25 years and she hated herself because she married a man who cheated on her and she says, I wasted 25 years of my life. I could never forgive myself for this. I knew another person who had a baby in their, in their 40s and they felt like their life completely changed because of that baby. They hated themselves for bringing a child to this world in the middle of that situation. Let's identify how self-bitterness came into our life. Can we do that for a minute? What areas have been affected? How have we allowed this to come into our heart? How have we come against what God says we are? In this area of unforgiveness and resentment and retaliation, anger, hatred, violence, and, more, and murder towards ourselves. How have we done this? So I want to invite you to pray with me right now. Can you do that? Can you say this with me? Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we give you permission to try our hearts for any wicked way and covenant that we made with the enemy. But we want to have a covenant with you. Reveal to us as we deal with forgiving ourselves and we repent. We set aside this time for you so that the Holy Spirit would be in charge. Come on. We bind all evil and we command it to leave right now. We're going to continue praying, but I want you to do me a favor. I want you to, in your mind, I want you to take yourself and put yourself in front of you. I want you to sit with yourself right now. Don't try to talk to yourself. And I want you to ask, have I, ask your soul, ask yourself, have I been mean to you? Have I been evil to you? Have I mistreated you? Am I just numbing myself? Come on, talk to yourself. Say, Christian, how have I mistreated you? say this with me say this with me dear heavenly father in the name of jesus 
I ask you to forgive me for this self-hate. Self-bitterness. How, how, how have you hurt yourself? Come on. By putting myself in the wrong hands, by not valuing myself. I feel like some of you in this room have given yourself to relationships that you know were never good enough. And you gave yourself just to do it because you didn't think that you were worth anything else. You didn't fight for more. You just surrendered. You just settled. Some of you in this room have made your wife or your husband a slave. Even your past relationships because of the anger in your heart that was unresolved in your childhood because you were never loved by your mother or your father and you made your spouse a slave to healing those wounds that they were never supposed to heal. I want you to forgive yourself. Say, so I choose to forgive myself for all the anger and resentment and the hate that I have towards myself. I choose to love myself because, you have, because God has created me. I want you to say your name right now out loud. Say your name. Say your name. Say Christian. Say, say, say Mervyn. Say, say, say your name. Say Kelly Mar. Say it. Come on. Say, I love you. God created you for a purpose. In the name of Jesus, say, say it with me. In the name of Jesus, I cancel all of Satan's power and authority that he has over me in this issue because God has forgiven me and I have forgiven myself. Holy Spirit, please come and heal my heart and tell me your truth about this. Tell me who I am. I want the Holy Spirit right now to tell you who you are. I want him right now just to whisper into your ear who you are. Just close your eyes for a second and let him whisper. Tell him who you are. Let him heal your heart with his words. Jesus.